to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. On week one, we talked about, as we intro the Creed series, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, make of heaven and earth. And today we're going to uh, begin uh, part two of this as we talk about, I believe in Jesus Christ. God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary. I want to use as a catalyst today Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 in particular, but I'm going to read verses 1 and verses 2. And it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which do so easily beset us, and let us run with endurance of patience the race that is set before us. And then verse 2, the A clause is where our centralized focus is going to be at, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And I'll read the rest of verse 2, who for the, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The A clause again, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Um, I, th- I thought about this long and strong, and I thought about it from the perspective of ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. Humanity was a mess. Humanity in itself is still a mess. I was a mess, you were a mess, we all were a mess. As a matter of fact, we all were lost and deserving of H-E double hockey sticks. We were dealing with separation from God and we were facing utter annihilation, eternal life in a place that wasn't even prepared for us. It was prepared for Satan, Lucifer, and all of the myriads of angels that were kicked out of heaven along with him. From the beginning, the Genesis God created man in his own image and after his own likeness. But the Bible says this in Genesis. It says, but the hearts of man, the thoughts of man, they were evil all day long. And the scripture says it repented God that he had made man. So he decided in his sovereignty to destroy everything in the earth except for Noah, with whom the Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I find it amazing how even in the Old Testament, we find the grace of God being mentioned in the Old Testament. And so God spared Noah God spared Noah's family. God spared two of every animal for sacrifice, every animal for food, along with two of every living creature so that they could replenish the earth. I want you to follow me for a moment as we move through scriptures for a little validity today uh, as to where we're going. We find that God then made a covenant with Abram, Abraham. 
He was Abram, and to God changed his name to Abraham, which meant that he was the father of many nations. And we therefore have the Abrahamic covenant that God made with him where God's children would eventually inherit the, uh, the land of Canaan, uh, the land flowing with milk and honey, the promised land is where God told them he was taking them to, the land that they didn't build, the land that they didn't till, land that they didn't plant. God said, I'm going to give it to you. As a matter of fact, if we jump ahead in scriptures and read Deuteronomy chapter 7, God tells his servant, I'm going to give you land from seven nations that are mightier and greater than you are. The Gergesites, the Hittites, the Amorites, all of the Ite family. He said, I'm going to overtake them and I'm going to give you their land. They've built the houses, but you're going to inherit it. They've tilled the vineyards, but you're going to inherit it. I want somebody in this room to know today that God has an inheritance for his children. And if we would keep on serving him, and as you always hear me say, be not weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. Somebody shout in due season. In due season, in due season, in due season. I want you to know due season is coming soon because seasons only last for a little while. Winter, spring, summer, fall. They go and they come. Amen. And we need to be ready for what God has for us as we get ready to inherit what he wants to give us. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Thus, we have the forefathers of our faith, or as the Old Testament scriptures would say, when God would show up, he would say, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, I am the God of Jacob. There is no way for me to cover everything, but I want you to follow me as we deal with what they went through so that we can get to where we're trying to go today. The Israelites wind up in bondage, they wind up in slavery in Egypt for what most believe to be 400 years. God raises up a deliverer in Moses, and Aaron was Moses' mouthpiece. Disobedience corrupts the camp, and what should have been a couple of weeks' journey winds up 40 years of wilderness wandering due to disobedience. Moses, led by God, implements the law. He implements the Torah, which is 613 laws. And the Torah comes from the five books of Moses, from Genesis to Exodus to Leviticus to Numbers to Deuteronomy. Priests are implemented to carry out the daily rituals of the law. And I must tell you, it was a bloody mess. Amen. Joshua leads the Israelites into the promised land. Judges came on the scene to lead and govern God's people because they had no king to lead them. God raises up Samuel, and Samuel began to operate under a prophetic mantle. And then all of a sudden, the Israelites looked at other nations, got jealous of other people, and said, we want a king like the other nations have, overlooking that God in his sovereignty was already their king. They wanted somebody that they could see, somebody that they can touch. But I don't know about you, I'd rather have God all day long 
over having somebody in front of me. And so God shows up to Samuel and says, Samuel, don't be alarmed. They're not doing this unto you, but they're doing this unto me. But I know what I know, and they don't know what they're asking for. And so Samuel implements the kings, and there were many of them, of which the Bible says many did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And there were only a handful as we read through Chronicles and Kings that did right in the sight of the Lord. So kings come along, and along with the kings, God raised up prophets, and they began to declare what thus says the Lord. And we find that there were 12 minor prophets and about four major prophets from the books of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentation, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, and Malachi. You say, why all the history lesson, Pastor Terrence? The reason I give you all of this short biblical history is because out of all this that took place, mankind was still a mess. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Out of all this history that I gave you and out of all that took place, mankind was still in a messed up predicament. God in his sovereignty says in Hebrews 10 and 4, he tells us in Hebrews 10 and 4 that it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. And so God said, what they're trying to offer me, I will no longer receive it because it will not suffice any longer. It won't work anymore. And as I said, I don't know about you, but I am so glad that we're not under that system anymore because my backyard and your backyard would be a bloody mess to this day. Amen. Because we were messed up without Christ on our sides. We were jacked up from the beginning to now. It does not matter who you are. Without the Lord on our side, we would still be in a bloody mess at this time. As a matter of fact, mankind was so messed up that by the time we reached the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, there has been no word from the Lord. I begin to study this and look at this. There has not been a word from the Lord for a long. You want to know how long? It's called the 400 years of silence. And it, it is the name given to the period of time between the last of the Old Testament prophets and the arrival of Jesus in the New Testament. And it begins with Malachi's warning that closed out the Old Testament, his prediction of Elijah's return in Malachi 4, verse 5 and 6. And he says, Elijah will return. And God is going to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the children back to the fathers. And it ended 400 years later with its metaphorical fulfillment, the coming of John the Baptist, the Messiah's forerunner. 400 years, no word from the Lord. Are you hearing me? 400 years. And there is no word from the Lord. I don't know about you, but I can't imagine a day without the presence of God in my life. 
I need God not just in my days, but I need God every hour. I need him every minute. I need God every second, every single part of my day. I need the presence of God in my life because in those minutes, anything can happen. In those seconds, anything can happen. In those moments, anything can happen. But I thank God that God is always with me. You need to touch yourself and say, God, I thank you that you are always with me. You are always with me. That's the God that we serve. Hallelujah. He's always with us. Can you imagine years of silence from the Lord? No word, no nothing from the Lord. I can't imagine it. No nothing. But I do understand this one principle that we all must understand that the teacher is always silent during tests. And some of you are not hearing anything from God because you're in a testing season. And when the teacher's given the test, they don't ever talk. You got to just deal with what you're dealing with in your testing season and say, okay, let me finish this test. Let me try my best to ace this test so I can move on to my next assignment. And when I'm finished, then the teacher starts talking to us. And some, you may be in a testing season, but continue to do what you need to do for the kingdom of God, and God will help you move forth as you go forth. Amen? Again, mankind was messed up. But God, he had a master plan. He's a God of master plans. I want you to know he is the God, again, of master plan. Now, when I was a kid, I, I, I laugh at this because I know that there may be some in this room that, that were just like me, but when I was a kid, we grew up in an era where, you know, we used to, walk behind people's houses, and, and please don't look at me as if I'm just evil or bad, but we would, you know, the mothers then would, would take the broomsticks and leave them on the, on the back porch. And, and we, we didn't want the broom, we just wanted the stick. So we would grab, we walk around back doors and we'd kick the broom off and break the stick off, and then we'd take the sticks and we'd poke about four sticks in the ground. And then we'd get some yarn. And then we'd wrap about three ropes of yarn around the sticks and make a ring. Because when I was a kid, I loved pro wrestling. <laughs> then we would go find somebody who had threw some cardboard away. We would sneak in the kitchen and steal some aluminum foil. Then we would wrap the belt in aluminum. We'd make a belt and then we'd wrap the cardboard in aluminum foil and get little letters to type WWE on it. And then we put them on and we'd be walking around like, yeah, I'm the biggest, baddest wrestler out here today. And, 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 and I, I love pro wrestling. You know what? I loved it. And then we get in that little made up ring and we get out there and wrestle and just have a blast. But I love watching pro wrestling. I love old school folks. I don't know about none of these new folks now, but I love Junkyard Dog. <laughs> I love, see, y'all don't know nothing about this. I love Ivan and Nikita Koloff. I love the Russian sickle, amen. I loved Macho Man, Randy Savage. Let me tell you something. I love Macho Man. I love Pretty Boy, Ric Flair. Woo! Y'all, see, y'all don't remember Pretty Boy. 
Woo! That, that was pretty boy, Ric Flair. I loved Andre the Giant. I loved Hulk Hogan. I loved all of these guys. But one day, church, I got older and I discovered something. I discovered that what I was watching, I discovered that the fights were fixed. And then all of a sudden, I began to lose interest because I was, I thought it was real. I thought, I thought, I thought it was all real. But when I discovered that the fights were fixed, I said, man, but there is power for believers in understanding that the fight is fixed and God wants to parenthetically insert something into this church's mind today that you need to understand that in the battles you're facing in the storms that you're in in life struggles the fight is fixed God got this somebody need to tell God thank you that the fight is fixed the fight is fixed I'm telling you, the fight is fixed. It's fixed. What devils are you worrying about? What demons are trying to ail you? You need to stand still and know that the fight is fixed and God has your back. And if God be for you, that's more than anybody that can rise up against you. Somebody give him a hand clap of praise. I'm not talking about the stuff you cause for yourself, but I'm talking about when life happens, when issues happen. I'm not, I'm not, I know it's hard. I'm not telling you that it's easy, but I want you to know, and God wants you to know that he got this and he got you and you got, you, you don't have anything to worry about. Amen. God is God. Hallelujah. Now I could go on and on talking about people of old who were great in their times and our times, but, but there's only one. There's only one that we need to talk about today in this setting who predates us, who predates time. You, you see, I haven't thought about these pro wrestlers in a while. So when I was thinking of these pro wrestlers, I had to Google some of them just to remember some of their names. Now, we know the main characters, but there were many of them. I was like, man, I can't remember everybody that I used to watch. So I had to Google something to jog my memory because I hadn't talked about them in so many years. But God, in his sovereignty, preordained before time began that he would step down from heaven, that he would walk amongst man, that he would become the God-man and call his name Jesus. Somebody need to shout Jesus in the house today. What is his name? What is his name? See, don't ever get tired of calling on the name of Jesus. My mama taught me when I was a little kid, son, always remember, call on the name of Jesus. And that is a principle that I've never, ever forgotten in my life. And when I've gotten in some storms, I've always said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Some people curse. Some people say other stuff. But when I hit my hand on the nail, I say, Jesus, Jesus. Amen, somebody. Jesus, that's all that we need to be worrying about. Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noonday, Jesus in the evening hour. Jesus is all we need to be worrying about. See, there is one name who is God, but he's the second person of the Trinity. There is one name that is above every name. There is one name that never ceases and never fails to come out of my mouth. There is one name that I could never, ever forget, no matter what takes place in life. There is one name 
same who was the pre-incarnate angel of the Lord of the Old Testament. There is one name who was 100% God and he was 100% man. There was one name who is and was and is to come. And when he came to the earth, he took on a name and his name was Jesus again. Amen. This is who I want to talk about for a moment today. Jesus. Somebody give him a hand clap of praise. Jesus. Because the second statement of the Apostles' Creed says, we believe in Jesus Christ, God's only son. Our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary. That's what we believe in. We believe in Jesus Christ, God's only son, who was, who, who was our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary. See, mankind was lost. I can't say that enough. Mankind was messed up. Mankind was in need of a savior. And I taught this before here at HP, but I discovered that Jesus, amen, God the Son, second person of the Trinity, Jesus, he incarnates himself. It is a Greek concept called kenosis. He empties himself of divinity, John says, in the beginning, the word became flesh. So Jesus became flesh, and he never stopped being God at the same time. So God then performs what theologians call a hypostatic union. He takes two natures, puts the two natures in one body, in one person without the two natures mingling with each other, because if the human nature touches the divine, it won't be all human. If the divine nature touches the human, it won't be all divine. And then he puts two natures in one person and calls him Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the Apostles' Creed says we believe in Jesus. I'm telling you today, I don't care what you've tried. There was an old school song in the church that I grew up in that said you've tried everything else and everything else has failed. You need to try Jesus. I don't know who you are, but if you hadn't tried Jesus, I want you to know that the Bible says in John's gospel that Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. No man is going to come unto the Father but by Jesus Christ. We believe that he's God's only son. He is the second person of the Trinity, but he put on a flesh suit like you and I, and when he put on his flesh suit, he did it so that he can reason with us, so that he can say, I know what it's like to be in your body. I know what it's like what you're going through. I know what it's like when you were in your storms because I had to go through it. But Hebrews tells us in chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, he was without sin. So that's how he was able to become Lord. That's the next statement that we believe in Jesus Christ, that he is our Lord because he suffered, he bled, he died, he rose from the grave, he conquered life, and he conquered death. And he is the only one, listen to me, Jesus is is the only one in the history of mankind and the history of creation that died and became his own executor. What is an executor? Executor is a person that reads the will to the family in the death of someone that they loved. Jesus is the only one in history that died 
and got himself up from the grave and said, my will is so precious that I can't let somebody else read it to him. I'm going to get myself up from the grave and give it to them myself. I'm talking about Jesus. That's a mighty God right there. We need to celebrate the fact that in Jesus's word is his will for our lives. And he got up and said, here, child, here, child, here's what I got for you. You need to know that you are above and not beneath. You need to know that you are the head and not the tail. You need to know that you are a lender and not a borrower. You need to know, as David said, I was young, but now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. That's the Jesus that I'm talking about. And we need to continue to just celebrate him every day of our lives. Give him some praise in this room. We believe that he was conceived by the Holy Ghost. You know what the Holy Spirit does for us? He is the enabler. He adds God's super to our natural, where then we in the earth realm can begin to experience the supernatural powers of God. I'm telling you, you may not believe in it, but I'm telling you, I know we are a Pentecostal church, and I'm telling somebody in this room today, anything is possible when it comes to God. I don't care how sick you are, anything is possible when it comes to God. I don't care what you're facing and what you're going through. You need to know anything is possible when it comes to our God. He's able to touch you. He's able to fix your situations. He's an on-time God, as old school used to say. Amen. You got something to do at 3 o'clock, God will show up at 2.59. That's old school preaching right there. Amen. Why? Because he's an on-time God. They said he may not come when you want him, but he'll always be on time. We believe that he came through the virgin birth. Luke's gospel, chapter 1, verses 26 through 31 says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive and in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. This is why we believe what we believe in. And I could have used any one of these three scriptures from the synoptic gospels. The synoptic gospels are the birth narrative of Jesus, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel. But when we get to John's gospel, John's gospel is the incarnate gospel, and John flipped it and just says, bam, here he is. He's God. That's what John does in the scriptures. Now, I could have used all of these, but, but, but I chose to use Hebrews chapter 12 that we read as I prepare to come to a close of day. And Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, is a continuation of chapter 11. Chapter 11 of Hebrews is the hall of faith. And we read in chapter 11 of Hebrews by faith, by faith, by faith. All of these individuals did all of these great things by faith, by faith, by faith, okay? And then we get to chapter 12, and when we get to chapter 12, it opens up and says, Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which do so easily besets us. Anybody who ever ran track knows any, something about this, because sometimes when you're running track, if you want to get stronger, they tie weights around your waist. They put weights on their back. And they make you get out there and sprint with it on. Why? Because it's going to make you stronger. But when you're walking this Christian walk, you don't need any weights trying to hold you down. 
You don't need any sin that's trying to beset you and lead you astray. So God says, lay aside every sin and weight that so do so easily beset us. And then it says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, verse 2, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus looked at his cross as joy because he knew on the other side of the cross we were going to get saved. He knew, on, he knew going to the cross, amen, that he had you on his mind. Over 2,000 years ago, he was thinking about every single one of us in this room. Hallelujah, somebody. This is a Jesus that we're talking about. He is the author and finisher of our faith, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of God. In other words, the priest of the Old Testament, the Bible says in Hebrews that their job was never, ever finished. They never, ever could sit down because the people kept sinning. The people kept staying in messed up predicament, so they had to keep sacrificing offerings to God. But Jesus, when Jesus went to the cross, suffered, bled, died, rose from the grave, he sat down at the right hand of God. And the last time I read in the word, the only time Jesus stood up was when Stephen was getting stoned. Hear me in this room today. The only time Jesus stands up is when his children are going through and enduring it and saying, God, I'm going to trust you in this no matter what happens, no matter what I face, no matter what I go through. Jesus, I'm going to love you. I'm going to stand on your word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so Jesus, he's the author. He's the finisher. He created us. He began our Christian journey. And I want you to know that he's going to see us through to the end, which means that if he's in the beginning of it and he's at the end of our journey, listen, we're in the middle grounds right now. Jesus wants you to know he knows everything pertaining to the middle ground. I told the first service, this is why pastors preached this before, but this is why when we, we start talking about uh, Matthew chapter uh, uh, 11, verse 28, when Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, take my yoke upon you. The yoke is a harness that were connected to, to oxen. And what you would do is you would take the older oxen who was trained, and you would take the younger oxen who didn't know anything. And you would put the yoke around the, the older oxen's neck, and you would put the yoke around the younger oxen's neck, and then they would get out in the field, and the older oxen knew how to go left, how to go right, how to keep straight. Jesus says, I am that yoke that you need to take upon you because I know the road that you don't even know you think you know. You think you know what's ahead, but Jesus says, I know what's coming. So if you let me lead you, because the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. So when I'm walking in his perfect will, we need to know that he orders our steps. Every step I take, it's ordered by God. Every move I make, it's ordered by God. Should I do this, Lord? Should I? That's why we must pray and ask God and seek his face on decisions that we make. Because God knows what is ahead of every single one of us. And so, I want you to know about Jesus today a few things. Nothing new, no deep revelation, just a few things. I want you to know that Jesus is, according to scriptures, he is alpha and he's omega. He is the beginning and he is the end. Jesus is the first and he is the last. Jesus is king of kings, and Jesus is lord of lords. That's the Jesus that we're talking about. Amen. He is, because of Jesus, believers don't die 
we just transition out of here because to be absent from this body means to be present with God. Because of Jesus, we can now say, O death, where is thy sting? And O grave, where is thy victory? Because of Jesus, the Bible says that we, you and I, are more than conquerors. It didn't just say we were conquerors, but it said you're more than a conqueror. Because of Jesus, Jesus is the one who was, who is, and who is to come. Because of Jesus, Jesus is the almighty one. Jesus is he who lives and who was dead, but now behold, he is alive forevermore. Jesus is Lord. Somebody say that. Say, Jesus, you are Lord. And because of Jesus... This is what God established to get us out of that messed up predicament that you and I were in. Because of Jesus, listen to me, church, we now have relationship with God. But not only do I have relationship with God, I also have fellowship with God. You need to thank God for both of them. I need a relationship with him, but I thank God that I can talk to him. And I thank God that not only can I talk to him, I thank God that he talks to me too. Amen. He talks to me through his word. He whispers in my ears that still small voice when I need direction, when I need to know what's going on. That is the God that we serve. And this is why we believe that Jesus is who he is. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. And this is why when we pray, Pastor Scott used to hit this all the time. This is why when we pray, it is so important in a society that wants to strip the name of Jesus of its power. This is why when we pray, young people, we can't say in your name. Your name can be anybody. This is why when we pray, we got to seal the deal. In the name of Jesus. I, I don't mind. I don't, I don't mind when I go to a restaurant and we're getting ready to bless the food. I'm, I'm not shamed. I'm not timid. I'm not shy. Lord, bless this food in Jesus' name. Y'all don't try that. Y'all make it. <laughs> in Jesus' name. Because I want folks to know who I believe in. Not going to say in your name. That's an insult. Old school church I grew up in used to talk about the Holy Ghost. And you know what they used to say? Some of you from the old Pentecostal church may have heard this. Send it on down. Lord, let your Holy Ghost come on down. What is it? That's an insult. What if I come to you and say, it, come here. No. Send him on down. Lord, let your Holy Ghost come on down. He is the third person of the Trinity, which somebody's going to get into next week. Pastor Evan, I believe. Amen. And so we end our prayers, what? In the name of who? We end our prayers in the name of who? Come on, I'm challenging you. Don't be saying in your name, trying not to offend folks, scared, amen. I pray God give you a spirit of boldness to start saying Jesus everywhere you go, amen. Hallelujah. And because of Jesus, as I close today, stand on your feet with me. It was... His amazing grace that saved me, that saved you, that wants to save somebody in this room today. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for by grace are you saved through faith. 
that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. For by grace. And so when I grew up in the old school church, they sung that hymn all the time. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Woo. See, <laughs> I was a wretch. I was a wretch undone that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. It was God's amazing grace, church. It is his amazing grace. It is the reason why you and I are still here today. And some of you, I feel God telling me to tell somebody this. Some of you are saying it's too much. I can't take it no more. I've been dealing with this too long. Listen, the Holy Spirit says quickly, take a, take a deep breath. Everybody, take a deep breath. What is that? He said, you're still here. Are you hearing me? I can't take it no more, but you're still breathing. You don't realize he's carrying you through this. You just got to pass the test. That's the God we serve. It's his amazing grace. Hallelujah. And I don't know about you, but I am so grateful that I believe in Jesus Christ. Do you believe in him today? Lift your hands as a witness. I believe that he was born of the Virgin Mary. And I believe that Jesus is Lord. I don't have an if and a but about it. I'll tell it everywhere I go. My Jesus is Lord. And I've been in the midst of the best of people who know their doctrines. They believe in Buddha. They believe in Muhammad. And I still stood flat-footed and said, Jesus is the only way. There's no other way. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.